Again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked, the podcast where me and my friend, Mr. Eddie Sparks, we rank rock and metal. And as you heard last time, if you listen, sometimes other genres of music, but we we rank albums, bands, discographies and other types of things. And um, we have a good time doing it, and hopefully hopefully, you have a good time listening to it. I'm Steven, a.k.a. Old Head, and as I mentioned earlier, my co-host is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. Yo, how's it going? It's, it's going great. It's going really great today because we are going to be talking about one of my favorite bands of all time. Easily in my top ten uh, favorite bands. And... Um, so that that alone, I mean, I've been so I, as I was going through their discography and uh, listening to everything again, you know, with kind of a more of a critical ear and and writing down notes. I'm just like, man, this is I just get nothing but pleasure out of listening to this band. Um, and the yeah. band that we are going to be talking about today is Living Color. Um, I, I I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about them. And Living Color um, only has uh, six uh, studio albums, and we're going to be sticking with those. The six yeah. full-length studio albums from Living Color and ranking them from what we think is the least great to the most great, or in my case, the uh, really great to the fucking fabulous, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, not to give anything away. But uh, yeah, um, I, I guess, um, do you have anything to say like real quick before we start? They're kind of, they're kind of like the Terminator franchise of bands, because like, the albums have like six to seven year spacings between them. And it's like, that's just a weird parallel I noticed while I was looking at like the release dates. And oh, it's like, they, they have the, yeah. the same amount of time between them after a certain point. But uh, although, I, although I don't think all of the Terminator movies are good, but you know, that's, yeah. a, that's a different <laughs> podcast. But, um, but as usual, um, let's talk about where we first heard Living Color, where mine is literally the same story that is pretty much everyone else's story um i saw the music video for cult of personality when it came out in 1988 and it blew my 10 year old mind i was just like because at that point i hadn't discovered like thrash metal yet i was just listening to hard rock music and i think the hardest i got was probably cinderella like that was maybe at that point as hard as i had gotten i guess van halen had louder crazier guitar solos and stuff but um i hadn't quite yet branched out and living color was the first band that just i heard them and i go this does this seems different this doesn't quite fit in with all this other stuff yet it still fucking kicks ass and yeah. um i remember too that i uh i saw the video and i was obsessed with it to the point where i kept asking my parents like can i can you drive me to the record store so I can buy their album? And I remember that this is probably saying too much about my dad, but you know what? This is the guy that he was. Um, <laughs> I remember that I kept asking him to go get it. And then one night, um, Living Color played, I think it was on Saturday Night Live or one of the talk shows. I don't, I don't remember, but I just remember like 
being there with my dad and being like, this is that band. And my dad, I think, saw that they were black people. And he's just like, no, no, this is just a bunch of noise. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. And I eventually got it anyway. But <laughs> but I just remember like, because that was, that, I mean, that was the thing. Like you, like you were when as as a white person i mean you're you're a, you're a white person in another country but in america especially back then you were always in contact with people who were vague not vaguely they were sort of um undercover racists like they were yeah. they they knew that they shouldn't be racist but it didn't matter they were anyway and yeah. at least my dad always had the 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 forethought or the I don't know whatever it was to not actually say anything rude about people yeah. of another race, but I could tell that it was always there. Um, but at that point, he was already mad because I was listening to hip hop anyway. So it was like you know, <laughs> I was I was heading down the wrong path. But um, now my da- my dad's actually a great guy. He's still alive, and um, I don't think there's really any traces of that racism left. My dad was one of those guys that got older and got way more open minded, especially yeah. you know after having to deal with me, and then I have an older brother who came out as gay. So my my dad had to grow up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but not but not to talk about my life story, but that's that was that's how I remember living color was that those those initial reactions and my dad not wanting me to get their album and it just made me want it even more. <laughs> so, and I've been, I've literally been a fan ever since. And so, um, how about you? Is it GTA, uh, San Andreas? <laughs> get, get your bingo cards out kids. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, GTA San Andreas. Same place. I found helmet, same place. I found Soundgarden. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. But the cool thing is, Cult of Personality, same song. It's just such a great fucking song. I will get yeah. to it, but god damn. Like I remember yeah. when I f- yeah. I remember when I first heard it, I was like, I want to learn how to play that riff. And and this was early on in me being a guitarist and 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 being mm-hmm. a musician in general. Like drums is my main, but this was back when guitar was really my thing. And I I sat down, I looked at the tab for it. For those yeah. who, for the, for those who don't know, there's that's just sheet music for guitarists that don't want to learn theory, uh, which is which <laughs> and, is what I used. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> and it, yeah, essentially, I looked at it and I went, yeah, "Wait, what?" Like I I didn't realize how complicated a riff it actually is until I sat down and looked at it and I thought, "Yeah, what? My fingers are supposed to contort here? What the fuck?" <laughs> did know? they? Did they actually tab out Vernon Reed's guitar solos also? Because that, <laughs> I, I didn't fucking, get that far. <laughs> that's a thing where, like, I don't even know if he knows what he's doing. Sometimes that guy is. I mean, he's he's a yeah. He's a he was a, he was a, a, initially a jazz player. You know, kind of more avant garde jazz, I guess. And yeah. he brought that along with him. So you you hear his solos, but even in that song where there's a little <laughs> bit of like. Is he just randomly hitting notes or is there something going on there? Either way, it sounds fucking awesome. It's kind of like it's kind of like with Slayer, but it's more contained, but you have less of an idea what's going on. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of chaos. Well, cool. Hell that's yeah. the yeah, I mean, honestly, that's the I feel like that's probably everybody's first living color song because especially nowadays, I think that's a lot of people who are just sort of casual rock fans or whatever. 
That's probably yeah. the only Living Color song they know. Because yeah, it's, a sh- it's a shame they've got so many other like amazing songs. Yeah, and what it's at also that level also it's it's because it's it's now been relegated to classic rock radio, and you hear it. Yeah. I think probably still every day over here on cla- like a classic rock radio station. I'm sure they play yeah. Cult of Personality at least once every day. It's so that's that's something to be said. Like it has moved over into classic territory, which there's only a handful of 80s and 90s tracks that have moved over to where they're now being played with Zeppelin and, and you know, yeah. whatever you want to say, you know, what Boston and shit like that. Anyway. Um, so that's awesome, but that's an, that's an incredible introduction. And it was actually the introduction to, to the first album, but um, I have a weird feeling. We're not going to be talking about the first album yet because we are starting with what we both consider the uh, least great of the living color catalog. And as usual, I'm going to let uh, Eddie, Take the lead here. So what is your number six Living Color album? Cool. So my number six Living Color album is The Chair in the Doorway from 2009. Okay, cool. So upon opening up this album, I, I suppose I should contextualize a little bit. The album that came before it six years prior in 2003 was Kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. But... Even six years on, the guitars are just as muddy <laughs> as they were on that <laughs> album. And it kind of struck me. Like, I listened to them chronologically. Yeah. And like I was kind of shocked at the production of this one. And I'll get to it. But uh, yeah. So Burned Bridges has like this cool like alt-rock feel to it. But... Um, yeah, I'm already struck by the production, which has this weird quality to it where the drums are really loud. Everything else is a little bit quiet for what it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. And the, the guitars are muddy as fuck, you know, which is which is weird considering like, you know, we especially in 2009 where the muddiness problem was out it was more just everything being too hot whereas yeah this album feels like strangely quiet apart from the drums (laughs) i I feel like though that it took a little while there was a weird thing where all of a sudden we've talked about this before with other bands where in the 2000s there was such a, a retreat from the 80s and early 90s sound that yeah bands started putting out stuff that was way more stripped down. But then if you were a band that no longer had a whole bunch of major label money behind you, then you were essentially making an album that just sounded like a demo. Like, so all of these bands, yeah. now I'm not saying Collide, uh, uh, chair in the doorway necessarily sounds like a demo, but it's almost like the producers who they worked with, not just them, but other bands just all of a sudden didn't really know how to translate rock music anymore. And so yeah. there's a lot of very awkwardly produced albums. I mean, they're still there today. There's a lot less of them now than there were. But yeah. I feel like the 2000s is just plagued with albums that could have been way better if they had had somebody better behind the boards. I think a thing that like could be a factor too is like I suppose when like digital recording kind of took over, uh you couldn't really push the the limits on like the levels and stuff like 
Mm-hmm. It used to be with analog tape that you could record really fucking loudly and get a really cool fat sound out of it. And then the moment it went over to digital, it was like, oh, this clips and sounds like ass. Let's not do that. But I suppose in a way that could also make things sound a, a bit less ballsy. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. You're probably um, right. It, it, yeah, I, I, that's probably has a lot to do with it too. I think people are afraid to be to be loud, but at the same time, you, you kind of have to obey the laws of whatever <laughs> you're recording on. It's, it's it's almost like though in most cases they're afraid to be loud while they're recording it, but then when they mix it, they want to boost everything up so it's brick walled yeah. all the shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I just want to get to the fast bit, want to get to the loud part. God damn it, I have no patience. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the chair has a cool vibe to it. Uh, Decadence. i got to be honest, you know, like, like I say, this song has a real headbanging groove to it that's hard to fuck mm-hmm. with. But again, I think this is one of those sad cases of, of production really fucking an album a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Young Man is a dancey rocker. Uh, Method is also a kind of vibey alt rocker. Behind the Sun, at the time of writing this, like, I don't know what it is, I, but I have a feeling, I feel like a lot of the songs on this album are being played at the wrong tempo. Like, these would have a lot more energy being played just that little bit faster or mm-hmm. maybe just that little bit slower. Like, they all have this kind of they want to get there, but it's not quite there. Just, you know, maybe shift a few gears, maybe, but yeah. Uh, Bless Those has a good groove to it. Hard Times is this slow grinding one. Uh, Taught Me. I mean, the, the again, I've, I've rolled back around to the production. It's a, it's a really unfortunate uh, kind of thing to taint an album because... It, that's a pretty consistent issue for the whole runtime. Run mm-hmm. um, again, it's just super murky. The drums are way louder than everything else. It, it To me, it wasn't a very comfortable or fulfilling listen, not in the way that music should be challenging, but rather it, it sounds not as good as other records that they did. Also, I think that maybe it it, it doesn't help that I think this album is probably their it seems like it's their most kind of straightforward. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it's also got a lot of heavy shit on it, but I think that there's, there's less surprises in this album yeah. than there is in pretty much all the rest of their albums. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely felt that, um, out of mind, it does have some cool riffage going for it. But like, like you say, like we mentioned, it's like, it's like kind of v- vanilla, um, I actually I said that before the podcast started, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we were having a we we're having a conversation. But I'm going to leave that up to you guys to think about what I referred to as vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not tomorrow has a cool vibe to it, uh, and I've got to say, asshole has has some funny lyrics in it. Yeah, and yeah. You are an asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny Maybe. ending song uh, to the album. For sure. Um, yeah, it's interesting hearing you talk about these albums because um, I do think that you bring a different like you hear you hear things a little bit differently than I do. Even though we do seem to agree on a whole lot of things, I think that there are things you pick up on that I don't. Um, 
and then you know and vice versa i guess but um but yeah i get the, the interesting thing is that your number one gripe about the production of this album is my number one gripe about my number six that is not chair in the doorway uh, um, my number six is kaleidoscope from 2003 yeah. <laughs> and um so kaleidoscope was their first album in 10 years um yeah. that was stain stain came out in 93 and they i think they they put out in 95 they put out something called pride that actually had songs that were intended for an album that never came out but then that was it that, that, that's all the new stuff you heard until this album in 2003 and um the number one thing about this album for me is the production of this album because it really the it does feel like there are weird choices made like here, here, when I, every time i listen to this album i think of the same thing this reminds me of of the recordings i would hear when i went to college for audio engineering and you would hear student produced projects yeah um they, it sounds like that because I remember always hearing people's jobs because you, 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 you took audio engineering and at the end of the semester, you would bring in some artist and you would record and mix their shit and that was your final project. And I wasn't necessarily very good at it, but I could hear other people would do stuff and I'd be like, it, this just sounds amateurish and you could have done so much more just with the basic tools that you had. And so there's yeah. weird basic problems with kaleidoscope like even in the first well all through the album the drums it's like they did no eqing and no sort of mixing <laughs> at all on them they just recorded them and then didn't bother to ever turn them up they were just there and so they sound oddly weak and kind of yeah not not it sounds very uneven and then you'll have the guitars where they decided the guitar needs to be just right in the middle of everything, really compressed and really small while everything yeah. else has like room to echo. But the guitar, no, that is right there in the middle. And I'm always like, that sounds awful. Like it would, <laughs> the song would have so much more life to it if they would have just double the guitar or do something. But I really yeah. do think that whoever was behind it just didn't know what they were doing. And maybe the, the dudes didn't know how to, tell them or didn't want to tell them, Hey, can you, or maybe they thought it was fine. I don't fucking know, but I really do think that this album, this album is, is it's unfortunate because this album would be a lot higher if the production was better, because there's a lot of great songs on kaleidoscope and it's probably one of their oddest albums overall. Just some yeah. of the song and the choices made in some of the songs. I often will go, that's unusual, which is, which is cool because it shows that they're such a great band. They didn't have to get back together after 10 years and then go, Hey guys, remember us? We wrote cult of personality. Here's a very yeah. similar song. They did not do that. And that's fucking great. That's a big reason why I do like this album. I just, the production really holds it down. Um, and also, I think we've talked about this before. Occasionally, bands will include cover songs on their albums and they yeah. drag the album down. Whereas we'll talk about another album later that has two cover songs and they sound fabulous. But on this one, you've got 
um, a pretty basic cover of Back in Black that just sort of derails the album. Absolutely, totally. I, I was like, just skip, skip that track altogether. And then <laughs> later on, what's the other cover they do? They do Tomorrow Never Knows, I think is the other one by the Beatles. Yeah. And that's fine and all, but they're just unnecessary in an album that's already long enough as it is. We don't, we yeah. don't need any more here. Um, but really like it, I think the only reason that this is disappointing is because I really do think that if, if the production, if it had been given the production of say, you know, times up or vivid, which I know it to in 2003, that wasn't the thing. But if if it had a at least a bigger sounding production, or even the production they would eventually have on Shade, um, it yeah. would be so much better because some of the songs just the life isn't there in them. But you can easily hear that this is good shit. These are good songs, and and honestly, even even that aside, to take the production out of it, the album alone is still better than most shit that came out in 2003. And yeah. so. You know, they still kick the shit out of most, you know, rock bands today. And so it's it's hard for me to put this one last, but that was the number one thing when I was listening to this album. I just went, I can't get comfortable in enjoying this album. Like, I think you said that about Chair in the Doorway with, you, with your issues with the production, that you can't yeah. get comfortable in enjoying it because there's so many odd things where I go, I can't get into the groove. Like, something is weird here. Like, the, the everything's off. And so that's why I have to put it here, but it is still a fantastic album. Um, just, yeah, just get somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing behind the boards, uh, take out the cover songs and then you know, we're good to go. Cause there are so many good songs on here. And, and like I said, I'll say this probably on all of their albums. The thing that I like about living color as a band, well, there's many things I love about them, but the number one thing is that, I feel like from one song to the next, when I'm first listening to an album, I have no idea where the next one is going to go. Yeah. And it's, and it's not like they're sort of bizarre, like a Mr. Bungle or anything there, but they do have, they'll have a song that has a more of a straightforward R and B vibe. And then they'll have some sort of crazy chaotic noise rock kind of thing. Yeah. And then they'll follow that up with something that has, uh, that has more of like a, a, a funk metal influence and, but even within those songs, there will be odd choices when it comes to time signatures or or chord progressions or whatever you know Vernon Reed is is doing with his crazy mind. Um, yeah. And then on to, and then on top of that, you put one of the greatest vocalists ever, in my opinion, uh, Corey Glover, and it just comes together as this package that sounds like literally no other band that you're ever going to hear. Like we talked when we did Soundgarden, I feel the yeah. same way about living colors. If I said, if Soundgarden, you know, well, obviously there's no more Soundgarden and I don't think there ever can be a band to replace them. And I feel the same way about living color, even on an album like Kaleidoscope where I think it could be better. So there you go. That's my number six. Cool. So my number five I'm going to piggyback right off of what you said with Kaleidoscope. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do my track by track as I do. Uh, Song Without Sin, right out of the gate. The guitars are muddy as fuck. But, like, that's a symptom of early 2000s metal albums anyway. Mm-hmm. That said, like, the more melodic sitar parts and vocals it do sound cool. 
Yeah. But but it's like it's like the stuff that's meant to make the groove aspect of their sound is just not coming together. It is weird. Um, yeah, it's like it's like some aspects of it they took the time to fuck with it a little bit, but then everything yeah. else like just leave it. <laughs> leave yeah. it on the preset. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like when you're in class and you've got to do like a group project and you spend like uh fucking half of like the lesson time uh making a really nice looking snazzy border around whatever you're meant to write and then you actually have to write something important and then you just you just write it something. in marker <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like then you get a question of when uh at the time of writing this I hope this album doesn't clip as bad as this song does throughout, as it really distracts from the cool riffs. But thankfully, I didn't notice too much clipping elsewhere as bad as it is on track two. <laughs> yeah, because like there are parts where the guitars do that awful thing, and it's like, oh. That's such a that was a good that a was a good no -no. impression of that. That's exactly yeah. what it sounds like. <laughs> oh, okay, can't wait. Eddie Sparks clipping ASMR. <laughs> it's going to be a bestseller. Uh, that's it. That's the new trend. Nobody steal that. I'm I'm stealing that <laughs> from myself. But uh, <laughs> Operation Mind Control has like a full on grunge vibe to it. Uh, Flying has a nice vibe to it too, but it also sounds like what Red Hot Chili Peppers have done for the last 22 years. Uh, <laughs> oh no, no, you take that back, sir. I don't know, man. I, I heard, <laughs> I heard some, I heard some Red Hot Chili Peppers vibes in this one for me. I don't know what it was. It could be, I'll have to re-listen to it to see if I was right, but that's what I was hearing at the time. Uh, in Your Name is pure industrial metal. Like, that riff in the middle is brutal. Uh, then you get the Back in Black cover. I'm going to hand it to them. At least they, they, they put their own spin on the riff slightly, like yeah. with, a, with a chord that's a little more living color. But again, I, I do agree that when you see this in the track listing, I was like... The thing is, when I see a track listing, I think to myself, is it going to be a cover... Or is it just sharing the song title of another song to fuck with whoever's about to listen to it? Yeah, because so, because isn't there like isn't there an Amy Winehouse song called "Back in Black"? I think there is one, and it's not think, a cover of ACDC. I think the whole album is called "Back in Black," if oh, I remember right. Okay, as well. Yeah, I I don't know. I can't remember specifics, but like for some titles, like. Every single 80s metal band has a song called Under the Gun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whereas, like, Back in Black, for example, that would be kind of like writing a song called Don't Stop Believing that's not in any way affiliated with Journey <laughs> whatsoever. It's Here's yeah. our new song, Smells Like Teen Spirit. No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it started, I was like, yeah, this is... This is an ACDC cover and it's cool, but uh, it does kind of affect the flow of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Nightmare City is a cool reggae-infused groover. Uh, Lost Halo has some melodic sensibility, but also some shamelessly inappropriate shred from Vernon Reed. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Holy Roller uh, is a cool, laid-back groover. Great expectation. You, you see what I'm saying here? The songs are cool. It's the production that really lets it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, great expectation, funky, grungy, heavy tune. Uh, choices mashup, slow, dirty, grungy track. It, there is like a bit of a grunge feel at times on this album, despite it coming out in the early 2000s. Yeah, they but did that's... get, it seems like riff-wise, they would get heavier. Like their riffs would get heavier. Um, yeah. In in a, like a, in a, a darker kind of way with, with later albums. Yeah, it was kind of like they'd gone from being uh, poppy, funky, played through a metal rig, and now it was like uh, hard and metal played through a metal rig. Yeah, <laughs> so it yeah. was like, yeah, you get Pocket of Tears is, is a vibey one. Sacred Ground is a is a groovy track. Tomorrow Never Knows Beatles cover, and uh, Nova is a vibey outro. I agree. These these bottom two could have been much better, were they produced in a way that didn't completely shit on how good of a band they actually are. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it does the songs and the band a disservice. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll we're gonna do a little crisscross here because I'm gonna go talk about my number five, which is the chair in the doorway. So, hey, we did um, a crisscross. We did um, chair in the doorway. Ugh, nope, nope. Let me try it again. The album is called The Chair in the Doorway. I don't know what oh. came out of my mouth right then. It was like doorway <laughs> um, from 2009. <laughs> to now, honestly, to me, if you're comparing this album to Kaleidoscope. This has a better production quality to me because at least it feels more together and somebody knew what they were doing more so. Um, it just <laughs> feels it just feels more solid of a production style. Um, and I, I said this before when you were talking about it. I really do think this is a much more straightforward album and um, it's got a much heavier vibe. But really, like the thing that I have to, to to give them credit for is that this is you know the second album after getting back together, and still yeah. they don't ever seem like they're phoning it in. Like I I don't ever hear this band and go, I think they've done this before, or this doesn't really seem like they were really one hundred percent invested in this thing they wanted to do. It doesn't seem like that. There's no sort of like average living color song because they they find a way to to, I guess, accentuate the best qualities of what they're doing in their music, which is, which is really just like four fantastic musicians together. And I, I feel like they just bring the best out of each other. Um, yeah. And, and Chair in the Doorway has a lot of really good songs. And I'll say the same thing I said about Kaleidoscope. If you slap some 80s production on this, this one even I think would sound like an old school living color album from yeah. know, around 1990 or so. Um, Cause the songs have that same kind of feel um, while being maybe a little bit heavier. So it is more of a step forward, but um, there's still a pretty good classic quality to the songwriting in some of these, but I've always really enjoyed, like I, I love the fact that they, never really got complacent with doing a particular thing 
which is interesting because a lot of bands get older and that's what they do. Like they go, well, we're, we, we're going to do this yeah. kind of thing where they literally will have the, you know, everything from the melodic to the funky, to the abstract, to the heavy. And then they'll have one that's a combination of all of those things together. Like I said before, it's just, um, um, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I always enjoy like the concoction that these dudes come up with. Um, and I think it's probably, like I said, it has to do with them as musicians and them bringing their own personal influences into the music. And I think we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Cause I feel like as we get into the higher up albums, there are things that I'll point out. I think that kind of explain what makes them so fucking great. Um, yeah. but, but we've talked about this album enough already, so let's go ahead and, and move on. That was my number five, uh, the uh, chair in the doorway. Cool. So what in I consider a huge step up in quality with number four, mm-hmm. we get 2017's Shade. Yeah. Hell so yeah. So now, like I've said many a time on this podcast, we are now in the love zone. Yes, yeah, I would Rob agree. Alfred once said, um, because my God, this was a, the, I can't even begin to put into words the pleasant surprise of, of, of this. Yeah. You know, I was, I was worried that I was going to be greeted with another muddy, muddy kind of murky sounding album. And then all of a sudden this somehow with all of like the modern techniques they use on it, they capture that old school vibe at the same time. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think it's just a case of a band being so unique that they just sound the way they do and providing the production picks up on all of the sonic qualities that make them so fucking good. This is a, the sound they should have had on the previous two, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's almost, man. it's almost like the, the thing that just popped in my head. It's almost like, you know, like you, you always see these fantastic photographs of bands that, that professional photographers yep. make where, where there's just mid air kind of shit, or they just, for some reason, they've just captured these perfect moments. And then, you or me goes with our camera and takes pictures. It's like, oh, why doesn't it? Why yeah. why doesn't it? So I feel like Living Color is that band that you have to have the person that knows how to take the perfect picture of them because yeah. otherwise it's just, they're still amazing. You just didn't capture it the way that you should have captured it. And on Shade, yeah. the I don't know who produced this one, but um, uh, Andre Betts, who I don't, I don't know who that is, but... Um, he did. He did do a great job on this album. He he knows what he's fucking doing because yeah. this album sounds rad. So, without further ado, mm-hmm. uh, freedom of expression. Uh, F O X. Yeah, I listened to this immediately after chair in the doorway, and my god, it really highlighted. You know, I've already said this, but they shit the bed on the production on the previous two. This. At the time of writing this, way better, less than even a minute in. I was so hyped when this came on because mm-hmm. I hadn't heard anything off it save for oh. who shot you. Yeah. Um, but like 
I just thought, oh, who shot you? That's a that's a cool modern living color song. I didn't kind of put two and two together because like that one had been released separately previously, and then all of a sudden I hear the rest of this album and I think, fuck, dude, they're back. Yeah. You know, which is which was a good thing for me when I first heard this album because I was a little weary of it because it was one that took a, a while and there was a lot of back and forth of like, oh, we're we're yeah you know, we're not going to be releasing when we said we were going to because of issues and i was all like oh is this one of those things where they can't get their shit together and we're going to get like the best of all these kind of mediocre songs um but it didn't it didn't turn out that way and so i was pleasantly surprised hell yeah like preaching blues like that classic living color vibe is back which that's like- which that's one that's one of three covers on this album and yeah. I don't, it doesn't, they do, they do, I don't even want to hear the Robert Johnson version of that song. Like I, I <laughs> I'm sure I have at some point in my life, but their version of it, especially Vernon Reed's guitar playing on that. I'm just like, yeah. fuck, fuck everybody else. I know. I realize that <laughs> we wouldn't have this without Robert Johnson, but come on, man. Vernon Reed is fucking fantastic. Yeah. His, his riff work is, is second to none. Yeah. Uh, come on plays around with like some modern electronic techniques but still retains that living color touch that just makes them so there are some cool modern production touches on this album that i hear them and i still go that's fucking cool and i love i love it when they do shit like that and it's almost like it's almost like i think there's like a dubstep kind of break in that yeah and i normally I would think that seems a little, uh, I don't know, that like, hey, fellow kids kind of syndrome. I don't get that with this because they always threw stuff in that was just like, hey, we like this new thing. Let's throw something like that in there, you know? I I think that is one of the benefits of being a band like this because they they always seem like a sponge, like a giant sponge that just like, took in influences and things that they liked from wherever it was. And they just made it into their own. And that, and that doesn't necessarily need to stop now that they're older, you know? So if they want to, if they want to have a, a fucking trap song on the next album or whatever, you know, it's like <laughs> they, I would, I'd be totally behind it. Hell yeah. I wholeheartedly support that. <laughs> uh, you get program like once again, oh, back yeah. doing that. That modern tinged classic living color kickassery. Who shot you? Has a really cool melodic rap delivery and uh, tackles the problem of gun violence. It's also a cover. It's also oh, it's it's a cover, is it? Oh, you oh, okay? Shit. Well, let me blow your mind. That is, you who wow. shot you is originally a song by the Notorious B.I.G. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, they I need- they basically took the lyrics and instead of full on rapping them, he does kind of a sing rappy kind of thing, um, yeah. and they just made it into a living color song um, out of the the, B, the notorious Big song. That is a Biggie song that I have not heard and need to. Oh yeah, hell yeah! You should definitely. Yeah. I, I believe it's on his biggest album. Uh, I, I I think um, we'll, I'm not we'll sure. We'll do Biggie at some point. Oh well, fuck yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I do, I, I do think that's like on the, is it ready to die? I think is the name of the album. I think it is on that one, but anyway, anyway, yeah, that's cool. a, a, fun, a fun fact that that's, that it is, but they do it in a way where it's easy to be like, oh, this is just a living color song, but nope. 
Man, it's also really cool to hear Corey Glover still has that awesome voice he's always had. Oh, he hasn't yes. lost. He hasn't lost a single fucking chord in that throat of his. He he is one of the. They are one of those bands that they don't have to play their songs in a lower key. He yeah. he can still sing them, and he still sounds fantastic. That's and that's just a testament to how I've always said he is one of the best singers, in my opinion. Yeah, he's he is out there good mm-hmm. ridiculously fucking good uh always wrong has some like rage against the machine meets grunge-esque moments in there yeah but that's um, all that's got that thing i'm talking about the production trick where in the middle of the chorus it, it everything slows down like the tape has been stopped and then it starts yeah. back up immediately goes, and then but it's in the yeah. middle of the chorus and every time that happens i'm all like that sounds fucking awesome and yeah. it's just one of those little things that they didn't need to do that. The song was already cool, but it just adds another level of awesome to the song. For sure. Uh, Blackout is a heavy, funky groover. Yeah. Pattern in time. Thrashy with their unique, melodic take on it. Uh, and that's got those that? weird... That's got the parts... Of, I'm, I'm just interrupting here. Um, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's got those cool... That's a good example of Will Calhoun, Will Calhoun and his drumming... Because in the in the chorus of that, and he he does this often where he switches up the kind of beat that he's doing instead of just doing a four yeah. four, and um and I just love hearing those little things because those are I think that's that's another reason why I love this band because they they all they all will do things within a song that some other band would tackle in a very average way and they put a little spin on it because they're just not comfortable just doing a regular four four power chord kind of thing you know yeah oh, man like who's that like i, I put here nice fat <laughs> groove on this bad boy uh glass teeth is another groovy hard rocker mm-hmm. invisible is a riffy groover there's so much groove on this album it's awesome uh inner city blues blues another co- rocker another cover you can always tell it's a, you can always tell if it's a cover because it's got blues in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh it's uh that's a Marvin Gaye um song. Yeah, in that for that in that case. <laughs> and uh, two sides is a vibey ballad e closing track. Mm-hmm. I am pleasantly surprised, like half to death by this album because yeah, it's it's rare that an album so recent has such an impact with me, Mm -hmm. but this is one that I feel has already aged incredibly well. And it's only four years old. You know, I agree. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually just going to continue talking about it because this is also my number four. Sweet. Um, but, but we're taking where you left off the two sides as a as a closing song i always love this song because it starts off like a song that i think i'm not going to like and it becomes yeah. really good just because the beginning of it i think um it it's it doesn't for some reason the beginning doesn't doesn't quite hit what i need in a song and also lyrically speaking there are some lyrical themes that have been done to death. And one of them is the two sides to a story kind of theme. And so once that starts, I go, yeah, we've heard this kind of thing, but the way the song builds out is so great. It's just such a great ending to the album. 
And but I yeah. mean, I think we would both agree since this is both our number four here. This is their best album of this century. Um, they haven't. I mean, I, I hope they top it. You know, so far this is their best. I think they got at least another one or two good ones in them if they if they get their shit together and, and move a little quicker. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> it's been enough time now. They could put one out now. But yeah. um the energy on this album is just undeniable and and you you're right. The the production allows it to really show through in the album. And also it's just one of these things where in 2017, you know, that it's pretty much you know, 30 years since their first album came out, I guess, you know, 29 or whatever. But just the fact that 30 years later that these dudes, they don't sound like an old rock band to me. Like no, they, they still got it. They, they do sound, you know, seasoned, I guess. Like they're a little more, like they're a little bit better at what they're doing, I think, overall. But, um, and maybe their music, you know, like because this album is number four and not number one, um, their music may be not quite as exciting, but I think that that part of that has to do with the fact that we've already heard the first three living color albums. So yeah. unfortunately they already put those out. So they always have to live up to those. <laughs> but in this case, the songs are so strong. And like I said, even the three cover songs, I don't care that they're cover songs because the way that they're done and placed in the album it doesn't ruin the the momentum. They put their own spin on things. It it just it makes it feel kind of like a cool album where they're bringing in this new living color stuff, but they're also kind of paying respect to these people that that you know other other black artists in the past, all the way back to Robert Johnson, moving a little bit forward to Marvin Gaye, moving a little bit forward even more to Notorious B.I.G. It's literally it just seems like this great sort of celebration of who they are as a band. And yeah. some of the things that um, that that influenced them, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is easily the best album they did since Stain, which was you know, fuck it, however many years, fifteen years prior or something like that. I don't know. It's yeah. more than that. Shit, I don't know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, when Shade came out, it was a thing where um, the Who Shot You single had come out before this and I already thought that was fucking great. And so I was, this was an album that like I pre-ordered it once it popped up. I'm like, all right, I'm pre-ordering shade. And then as I read more on it, I was just like, I really was kind of like, Oh, this may not really be great. This might be similar to how I feel about the, 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 the previous two. And, and if the production isn't that good, Oh man, what, what are we going to get here? I just, I just, yeah, I didn't know what to think, but, um, and then, but once I heard the whole album, I, it, like, I felt like you felt, I was just like, God, this is awesome. I'm so, it makes me as a fan feel good that like they have put something this good out this far along in their career and makes me feel better for the future for this band. Like, what could they do next? And I, like I said, I think they still got more, um, left to, uh, to give to us. Um, Hell yeah. but yeah, that's so, so my, so my number four is also shade and then, we are um, now going to be entering into what I would like to call the unfuckwithable zone of, yeah. <laughs> of living color. Um, but uh, so whatever order these go in for, I don't care <laughs> because <laughs> there are arguments for all of them being number one, two and three. Um, so, um, so where, what do you got for your number three? My number three is stain. 
Nice. Okay. This one has a much darker edge to it in mm-hmm. uh, both sound and imagery. Like, yeah. they they dropped the fluorescent colors. They weren't doing, like, the bright neon stuff. Like, the music videos were very, very black and brown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there was a distinctive shift uh, towards, like, a, a more serious tone. It's a lot more... It definitely, like... It, it just feels like a more mature version of their classic sound. Yeah. So, yeah. And, it's, and I, it, I don't know how, how much it has to do with it, but it is their first album with Doug Wimbish on bass. Yes. Who is, is, is um, he's a slightly different kind of bass player um, than Muzz, Muzz Scullings, um, but um, he's still f- fucking fantastic. I mean, they just, they literally just went from one fantastic bass player, uh, to another did yeah. i just did i just call him muzz skullings i meant muzz skillings <laughs> it's, i didn't you, want to you, say you, anything you know when you say <laughs> when you say something and then you go did i just pronounce that the way that i think that i pronounced it <laughs> um anyway yes but yes oh, th- this doug, doug wimbish is uh is on this one but i think i feel like them working with him because i do think that they collaborated songwriting wise and so maybe that that may have led to this kind of being a darker kind of album. Yeah, like right out of the gate, you got "Go Away," which is essentially a groove thrash song, which is a big fuck yeah from me. Uh, right out of the gate, this album lets you know you're in for a heavier ride. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's an awesome breakdown in the middle. Um, Ignorance is bliss is a song that just perfectly exudes the band's energy. If if you're a Living Color fan, there's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like, there's these moments where you think to yourself, only this band sounds like this part going on right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like there, there are some parts where I, I would hear it out of context and I would think that's, that's those four dudes. Like, there's no other band on this planet that makes that specific sound. Mm-hmm. Um, Leave It Alone is a groovy, groovy, vibey one. Yeah. Buy is a fun song because oh, it talks about... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll I, well, I was, was going to say Leave It Alone. I don't know. It, 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 it almost feels to me like Leave It Alone is the first time we hear keyboards in a, in yeah. a living color. Well, at least that kind of keyboard because there's like a prominent chords played on a keyboard during the song and like every time i hear it i go it, it if it was in older songs it was more sort of buried in the mix maybe but all of a sudden you hear these keys and i'm like oh that's a new thing for them but i, yeah. I love the way it sounds with that song hell yeah it's, it's like i was gonna say here um bye is a fun song everybody wants you when you bye yep Loving all the girls and loving the guys. <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh man, like it's it's something as well that a lot of hard rock bands in the eighties would have stayed the hell away from because it's like, oh yeah, I, I'm I'm really straight. I'm I'm dressed like a chick, but I'm straight <laughs> as fuck, dude. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, Living like Color this... was never they never shied away from any any sort of social commentary of any kind or political. Yeah, which is cool. Like it kind of reminds me how um 
you know, Roddy Bottom was always, you know, he was very out with it. Yeah. In Faith Faith No More, you know, with like be aggressive and whatnot. Which all which but, you know, um, you could compare some Faith No More to Living Color and and maybe that has like they they all they both seem like similarly open minded bands, not just socially but musically as well. And so I guess there's 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 something similar there, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely that's why I love like the late 80s and early 90s because you got this massive surge of all these bands that don't sound like anyone yep. and are up and are up for anything, you know? That yeah, um, yeah, that's the there's when is that going to ever happen again? I hope it happens again, but yeah. Like just off the top of my head, you had bands like even some bands that would later influence other bands, but like, you know, everyone from like Jane's Addiction to like yeah. King's X like there's all these bands that just literally I can't think of another band that sounds exactly like that band and they're all yeah. late 80s early 90s time frame kind of bands and that's why that I mean that's it's why I'll always agree like that's the best fucking music late 80s early 90s is just like the best shit happened I tell you what it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the bands in the late 80s and early 90s looked at the rules of like music that came before it and went that's fucking stupid yep and then there was a glut of bands that turned up that sounded just like them and they went oh god damn it now we're the uniform it's like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and yeah. i think that i think that's i think that's why it kind of went back the same way because now you've got all these like fucking elitists out there that are like you're wrong for liking this more than this. No, it's a subjective fucking opinion. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, there's just this lovely pocket in time from about like 87 to about 94, where there's just this huge glut of bands that just sound like themselves. They're not trying to be anything other than what they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's really cool. Um, uh, but like speaking of things sounding like other bands, um, mind your own business reminded me of bleach era Nirvana, especially in the chorus mm-hmm. with, uh, a very similar riff to Mr. Mustache down no, 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 but it, it still sounds so cool and they fuck with the tempo so much as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that sounds amazing. And I every now and again I'll hear a riff from another band and it'll either sound amazing or kind of like it's a bit similar but here it's like I don't they 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 took something that is pretty much the same probably not even took it they just did it themselves yeah. and it sounds so organic yeah I think that's that's the that's where the that's the landing zone I was trying to get the, to. There that. are but, the, I yeah. think that's the one thing is I do think that there are some people really are very quick to point out so, a riff sounding like another riff, but I feel like especially maybe because I've written songs for like yeah thirty years of my life that I I kind of hear when it's just a coincidence and when it's when it's it seems like they actually took the riff but even then on top (laughs) of that you have to remember that you may hear a riff 
and completely forget the song and the artist. And years later, it comes back into your brain and you may just write yeah. that having no fucking clue. So that's why whenever somebody would be like, nope, they're ripping them off. I'm like, well, you don't know that for sure. I don't <laughs> think they sat there and said, oh, this is a really cool riff, but we're just going to take this and make our own song out of it. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I think that the, t- the times that that's actually happened is probably 0.01% of the time that, that riffs sound similar. I think most of the time it's, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, a big one for me was I was I was in a rehearsal room with a band and we were just screwing around and we were like, hey, do you want to come up with like a really quick, stupid 20 second song to just throw in our set just for a laugh? And we were like, <laughs> what's what's a funny phrase? And someone just went, shut the fuck up. And we just decided that's it. We're going to write a song right now in the next 10 minutes just called shut the fuck up. It's going to be 20 seconds long. And I came up with a riff around it. I did shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up, only to find it was Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson by Scatterbrain. And I and I went home and I was like, oh, come on, let me have this one, please. I mean, but you didn't mean to do it, though. It came. It just came out of you that way. Like on like, like I think we talked about it before. There's a more recent Alice in Chains song where they have a a riff that I wrote years before. And I know (laughs) that they didn't hear it. (laughs) Same thing with one of the first songs I ever wrote when I was a kid. I I don't know what I was like, 14, 15. I don't remember how old I was. But I was I was writing a song and I remember these these the way I played these particular chords and the way I did this sort of soft sort of ballady little song. And I was like, okay. And then I, I recorded it on a tape and then I never went back to it again. And then like a year or two later, the song glycerine by Bush comes out and I go, Whoa. <laughs> but, but now if you listen to that riff, it is a basic as fuck riff. So of course yeah. <laughs> they came up with a similar riff. But if I was a total asshole, I'd be like, nope, it's on this one tape that I did back in 1992. And you're going to, you're going to hear it. and You're going to owe me money. Even though, you know, for sure they didn't come into my bedroom <laughs> and yeah. listen to the tape. So anyway, but great minds, I guess, you know? Hell yeah. Awesome. Like we we should all just we should all just find all of the musicians in the world that have had their riffs accidentally stolen and got really successful and just group sue every band in existence. Yeah, yeah, it, oh, we're, we're all we're all going to end up suing each other for something at some point. I think. Uh, it's just going to be this endless web of just suits and lawsuits and shit. Spe- speaking of lawsuits. Um, Stain, I don't know if you know the story about why Stain very quickly went out of print after it came out. So oh. here's, here's a funny story. So the album comes out in 93. And in 1994, this guy sues Living Color. He goes by the artist name The Stain. And he sues Living Color for you, calling their album Stain. And in his his lawsuit, he claims that his music is far superior to theirs, which is the big problem that they're putting the word stain, which is his artist name on a, on an inferior product. And (laughs) so because of that, the album went out of print. They didn't make any more of them because of the lawsuit. And I don't even know what ended up happening after that, because they ended up putting out a vinyl version of it years later. But 
Funny post note to that story. He also sued the band Stained (laughs) for the exact same thing. And literally this, as far as I know, this is just a dude that does like incidental music for television or something. And he just refers to himself as the stain. And I'm all like, wow. I mean, this motherfucker really is a stain, isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Like I would, I mean, I just, I just want to meet the guy and be like, you are just a piece of shit. Like they didn't call. Not only is their album not called the stain, they literally yeah. used a word that everyone uses. It's one fucking word. Like you have yeah. to be some sort of conceited piece of shit if you think that they called it stain. <laughs> Clearly, they're trying to interfere with my with my music as the stain. And it's just every time I, I read part of that story because I don't. There hasn't been a lot of updates, but every time I go back to it, I'm just like, what a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dudes. Like <laughs> what a shithead. What a shithead. <laughs> But yeah, so for a while you couldn't get stain, um, but now you can. It's out there. Wow. Yeah, I did wonder why this album didn't do better, and I imagine that shit stain probably was a good reason it, it didn't. I, do. I, I I don't know because that was a year later. <laughs> I think when this album came out, um, it wasn't grunge enough, and True. so I don't think. First of all, I don't think it caught any new. Fans, I think fans that were already fans from Times Up, I think were into Stain, but yeah. I don't think it caught new people. So it didn't continue to build on their popularity. It and they probably lost some people because they they got darker. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, wow, was that was that the biggest tangent we've ever done? I've forgotten where I'm at. <laughs> Sorry. Just, just, okay. just to just to make you feel better about all my interruptions, stain is also my number three. So let's just continue the stain <laughs> conversation of our joint number three. Oh no worries, dude. I I, <laughs> I fucking love this album. Ah, uh, there we go. Uh, Oslander is a uh, brutally brutally funky assault on racism. That's probably I, one of my favorite uh, uh, Corey Glover deliveries. Is the chorus of that song? He just I I love the way he sings that chorus. Yeah, like there's there's so much um fucking clout behind it as well. It's that just too. such a it's just such a hard hitting song as well, considering the subject matter and the I watched the video as well. I this is a funny thing to mention actually. I watched all of the music videos for this um episode because I just found they were always very visually entertaining as much as they are um musically. Yeah. For some reason, their music videos were always just like top fucking notch. Um, but yeah, I, I watched this one and it's clear that they're taking a more serious uh, tone. I mean, they always had social commentary in their songs, but like yeah. this is like the more seedy, much darker stuff. Mm-hmm. Like in, in, instead of, you know, instead of uh, uh, a billionaire eating a cake of the world it, while everything falls apart around him. It's now yeah. literal neo-Nazis going around breaking into homes and shit. And it's like, well, I mean, you wow. have to, you have to remember socially, like this is also like between the time period of when times up came out. And when this came out, um, the Rodney King thing had happened and yeah. they even, they even, there's even a reference to it in the song, this little pig. Um, so I think that there was, it was a really odd time because I remember as a young person, so in 1993, what would I have been? 
15, I think, at the time. Yeah. Um, I just remember at the time, um, you could feel the 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 racial sort of it was a racially charged feeling in the air. And at the same, but at the same time, it felt like it, those of us who who were more forward thinking and more accepting of everybody, it felt like we were we were pushing forward through the old school bullshit. Like, like the overall feeling was there's still racism out there. We have to get get fucking rid of it now. Like we have to be yeah. very vocal about how we feel, which is funny because back in 1993, if you would have asked me in, in, in 25 years, is there still going to be problems with racism? I would have said, I, I wouldn't think so. Look, I mean, we're already, re- we're already making a lot of progress right now. I think in 25 years, everything's just going to be fine. And yeah. <laughs> it's fucking not here. We and, are. Yeah. And so, it's funny to it's interesting when you bring that up because listening to a lot of their stuff, especially their early stuff, I do remember just having that feeling overall that cuz I've always been very um like racism to me is just as baffling as pedophilia. Like yeah. like somebody wants to have sex with a child and I go there's something fucking wrong with you. And then if somebody hates somebody because of their race or nationality or whatever, I view yeah. it the same way where I'm just like, there is literally something wrong with you. And, yeah. and hopefully it can be corrected before somebody yeah. gets hurt or whatever. But, um, so it, it, yeah, it's one of those things I've always I've carried with me over the years. And I always feel very weird talking about this because we're just two white dudes talking about racism. But, um, I think it's good I, to raise the issue though and make, yeah. make it known. That, yeah, you know. because but it is it is one of those things where I feel like even today, just like in 1993, y- you have to be vocal about this stuff because I think that's the only way that anything's ever going to make a difference. Like just yeah. not being racist is not enough. Like if yeah. something happens, you have to say something. And even if it's as little as, you know, on that one day um uh, earlier this year where everyone put the all black pictures in their Instagram feed or whatever. Like that doesn't seem like you're doing something, but you are because people are seeing it, you know? And so I don't know because eventually all it takes is the one, like, well, why are they doing this? Let me go look at, you know, it's like, it's literally just like a thing where you have to make some kind of statement and you have to make yourself known. Um, and, and living color was a great band for that. But I mean, you know, they, they were also for African-Americans. And so, um, of course, you know, they, that would be an important thing for them, but staying. Yeah. But you, you, you're correct that it does feel like, you know, they already tackled the issues of racism several times, but it almost feels like now it's a much more like, look, we tried to tell you this shit before, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you we wouldn't wore fucking listen to get your attention. What, whatever, you yeah. know, it just seemed like, yeah. you know, you motherfuckers aren't listening. And then that's, that's the feeling I get from songs on this album. It's like, you know, if you're, if you, if you need to be knocked over the head with it, here you go, you know? Yeah. It's like the, it's like the first two albums are like, not in a sense of quality, but, definitely in a sense of uh like meaning it 
And I feel like Vivid and Time's Up from like uh, uh, like meaning perspective are kind of like warning shots where it's like, come on, I'm giving you the chance to yeah. cor- correct this shit. Time, you know, Time's Up. This is your last fucking warning, dude. And then <laughs> time's up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then stain is what they're mopping up afterwards after they beat L- you. Literally, the stain. Yeah, <laughs> That's, I like I like that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, where were we? We're still on Ostlander, aren't we? Uh, I think I'm. I'm gonna move it on over to Never Satisfied. Yeah. Uh, which is another track that's just uniquely living color. Um. Now, nothingness is really interesting because that song gave me Faith No More mixed with New Jack Swing vibes. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I can see the, that. The like keys, the strings on that, I was like, that sounds so cool and different. And there were like similar qualities to Faith No More that I loved, but it doesn't sound like Faith No More. I was just like, those keys sound really cool there, and this is around the same time as Angel Dust. Yeah. But again, it's it's that case of they they don't sound like they're trying to sound like anything. It's just like they had a cool idea and they made it happen. Yeah, it has um, a similar vibe. I, yeah. Yeah, Postman is pure funk metal goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- WTFF is this like weird vibey hip-hop soundscape kind of thing. And then... You get this little piggy, which is <laughs> yeah. proggy as hell at the start, then chaotic and punky, and then in the middle of the track, there's this nasty, gnarly, slow riff breakdown. And when that happened, I thought, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, you know that. You know that kind of like half laughing, "Oh shit" vibe. I got y- that here. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I get fuck. Yeah, like ah. Oh. Um, hemp is a cool spooky interlude uh, wall now wall has some like primus energy like I really enjoyed this one uh, and this song ticks all my boxes of early 90s rock and metal yeah uh, I also, re- I also re- always really loved how, how everything drops out when he says the word us he says yeah. the wall between us, between but er- us. Every- yeah. everything else drops out as he says us and then comes back. I always thought that yeah. sounded really cool. I love the way it completely falls apart at the end as well. They just like chopped all of the parts together. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, TV News is a big psychedelic song to close out the album. Oh, you're a on the bonus of- tracks. Okay. Oh, is TV News a bonus track? Yeah, TV News is a bonus track. Ah, okay. Like a lot of That's all right, this though, album... Good. Oh man, it's, it is so good. A lot of this album sounds like what I would probably end up making if I said to myself, I'm going to make an early 90s inspired album and here is what I'm probably going to end up sounding like. Mm-hmm. And not that I could nail Living Colors vibe, but you know, it, there are a lot of things in here that I love about this era of music. So it would be like, that's like the kind of vibe I'd try to include. But uh, man, I've grossly neglected this album throughout the years solely. I think solely because it was just always, I mean, it's not an album that a lot of people talk about outside of living color fans themselves. And it's like, it's kind of a shame 
that it kind of lives in the shadow of um, Vivid and Time's Up. Well, shit, I think, I think even, even Time's Up lives in the shadow of Vivid, you know? I, it's True. Yeah. I, I do think, though, that with Stain, I think a big reason why... Because I, I noticed that with Stain, I, it's, it's an amazing album, but I feel like I have to be in, a, in the right mood to really get into Stain, whereas... Vivid and Times Up, I am always in the mood to listen to those albums. So and maybe yeah. maybe it is the fact that it's a little bit of a darker tone and mood on this album that you sometimes you just got to be in in the right headspace for it. Oh yeah. But like I said, this is also my number 3. Honestly, the only reason why this one starts came to number 3 was because I every once in a while there are production choices that I don't quite get, and I don't know if they were on purpose or not, because sometimes there's a bit of unevenness with some of the tracks, with just certain yeah. parts. Like, certain parts will happen, and I go, did they just totally turn up or lower the volume on something oddly <laughs> for a second? And, and so, um, but it happens randomly, where there's just little things here and there where I go, this isn't quite as a tight production package as I would want, but it I've gotten so used to it over the years that it just I it doesn't matter anymore. But I think at the time that was a big deal for me as I didn't like the production as much as their first two albums. But um this is just a fucking killer album with so many great songs. And um I I I really I really do think that maybe the the only thing I can add is that maybe the this feels a little less lively and that makes it my number three, um, because I do the things that initially drew me towards living color and have made me a fan overall is the, this sort of like, they're just, they're, there's, their stuff feels so alive. Like it's yeah. like, it feels like you're like, you're listening to things just happen, even though they're written and calculated and structured songs occasionally you'll hear them and go, this feels like it's just coming out of them, you know, as yeah. they're doing it. And, um, stains a little bit more, a little less, it has a little less of that. Although there's just, there's still so many fucking good things on here. And, um, yeah, that means also, so, so, so at this point we do get the, the living color lineup that is still around today, um, with Doug Wimbish on bass. And, yeah. um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's it's fucking great. I don't I don't really know what else to add after our, we I feel like we we spent a long time on stain, but it is really good. But you you are right. It is it's underrated and it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, but honestly, sure. honestly, I don't think overall Living Color is a band that gets talked about enough. I, I don't you don't see them pop up all over the place, and it always blows yeah. my mind because I'm just like people will do things like name off amazing bands from you know amazing albums from 1988 and sometimes they vivid won't be on there and i'm just like what are you yeah. even talking about <laughs> like, yeah. like just take your list and shove it up your ass because <laughs> there's no there's no point anymore but anyway sure. but yeah so stain is one that that should get a lot more love than it does but but i like the two before it more and so that's why it's my number three so let's 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 move on to our number two let's see if we're going to match up all the way to number one. Let's find out what happens. I have sneaking suspicion, knowing you, having done this podcast for almost for almost a year. Mm -hmm. I have, I have a sneaking suspicion we could do a crisscross on our last two. 
You, you also might be wrong. Okay. I, I think I know what you're thinking. And if you are thinking what I think that you're thinking, I'm thinking <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've gone at number two for time's up. No, we are, we are literally, we are, we are right next to each other. We are, this is going to be, this is the most matchy matchy that, um, one of our, our episodes has been, I think so far. Um, I was going to say, yeah, the the biggest one I can think of is the helmet episode, which was, that was also very similar. Yeah. But yes, time's up is time's up. not to give it away, but fuck it. Time's up is also my number two. So let's just dig in to start talking about time's up. Awesome. So, you know, opening title track, Time's Up, is uh, half, like, oh, yeah, right out of the gate, yeah. That is, an, uh, that, so, I love that song because it's so unexpectedly frenetic. Like, like you, like, yeah. like they're, you know, like, if, if you know, like, you know, Cult of Personality starts vivid, and it's a great opener, but you don't expect something like Time's Up to begin this album, and it's, no, I love yeah. this song. Yeah, like it's like part thrash punk at the start and then goes funk metal and then all of a sudden out of fucking nowhere there's this like crazy guitar solo in the, yeah. in the middle that yeah. totally changes up like uh, was that Will Calhoun playing that crazy weird like kind of drum beat. I mean, let's 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 take a moment here. First of all, let's take a moment. I know I've mentioned it before, but let's take a moment to talk about Vernon Reed <laughs> because Vernon yeah. Reed is is one of my favorite guitar players. He's probably up there. I don't I don't I'm I'm not a a, a guitar player guy in the sense where like I know who my favorites are because I like certain guitar players for different things. But if you're yeah. talking about somebody that I consistently hear them and go not only would I not be able to begin to do that, <laughs> but I don't even know what the fuck he's doing. And, and yeah. Vernon Reed's one of those guys where he seems like a dude. Cause like, I, I think all of these dudes, well, at least the three on this album, the bassist, the drummer and, and Vernon Reed, I think they all had a background more in just doing like jazz or yeah. just your regular funk music or stuff like that. And and Vernon Reed has always seemed like this dude that like they're like I've seen old footage of him playing with this jazz band, and even the jazz band was fucking crazy. Like the shit yeah. they were they were playing, I'm just like, what, is this even a song? Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so it's almost like f- from the from the get go, he was a guy that was just like, you know, I can appreciate this straightforward R and B and this heavy metal but I don't want to play necessarily either one of those things, but I want to play both of those things at the same time. So it's like, it's almost like his there there. I don't think there's another guitar player that plays like Vernon Reed. And he was the one guitar player where I thought it was cool that he wore his guitar like high up. Cause like when I started playing guitar, it was always like, no, you got to put your guitar down low and play it down low. And I was like, Vernon Reed wears his guitar like way up there and he looks fucking badass when he plays. Yeah. (laughs) But I just always really liked how he, the band seemed unpredictable, but I really feel like the guy at the helm, I mean, it was his band is his band. He's, he put it together, but 
I always feel like he is the mad genius at the helm who's just like for you know, we're I'm leading us into battle and you guys he got like the three best people that could keep up with him the and, weapons <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and so I just he is once again just like Living Color is a band that I don't think it's talked about enough I don't think Vernon Reed gets thrown into best guitar player um conversations and um and he should absolutely be included yeah in that. along with like fucking literally everybody in this band especially at this point like i love the original run because i love Muskillings skillings as a bass player also and i just think that these four dudes as, as much as i still love the band today these four guys i don't know what it is but you even watching them on stage performances from this period and I'm just like, they were yeah. just so fucking good, all four of them. And yeah. um, anyway, I wanted to take a moment. I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll derail us eventually talking about somebody else, but got to give Vernon Reed a little bit of love because that dude will pull shit yeah. out, of, out of thin air that you're just like, I don't know where his head was, but we are we are <laughs> all uh, better people for it, <laughs> you know? He just seems, he seems like real chill as well yes. about it. Yes. Like, he, he, he doesn't like... He doesn't pull like the crazy guitar faces and stuff like that. Like, no. oh my god, my I'm doing like a Sylvester Stallone <laughs> face because I'm doing so much fucking bending right now. Yeah, he's just doing shit that's absolutely fucking wild with a straight face. And my favorite like, guitar face, yeah, is the is the is the surprise guitar face. We're like, yeah, they're like, they're like <laughs> I can't even believe what yeah. I'm doing here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this the note? Oh man, I love the fact that we're only on track one. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's (laughs) I'm I'm fine hanging out on the on these two because oh my god, like and then right after that, they hit you with an interlude that's like you know less than a minute long. It's it's called History Lesson, Mm -hmm. and it's and it's you know obviously has a lot of social commentary in it. It's very African influenced and like the variations of styles on here, like obviously vivid, which we'll get to has a very genre smashing sound anyway, mm-hmm. but with times up, they blew it out even further, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, pride, the groove on this song. Yeah. Good fucking Lord. When it comes in, like when they're all playing together, just that straight four four beat, but with that riff over the top of it, yeah, yeah, just feels good. You know, it's it's it doesn't just sound good; it feels good, and that's when you know a band knows what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. because it's like I've heard songs before where I'm like, yeah, that the production is pristine, but there's no swagger here. This has like good fucking yeah. Every time I put this album on, I don't know. Like compared to Vivid, if you named a song off of here, I probably would be less likely to match it up with what it is. Like obviously, you've got a few standouts, but there are a few on here that I forget which one is which. Yeah, but when they do come in, I'm like. Oh, I love this one. I can't believe I forgot its name. Um that yeah. Lo- yeah, that's the, that's the thing about the the first two 
um, living color albums for sure. For me, like every, every track is a fuck. Yeah. Track once it starts, like it's yeah. like, it's, I'm always like, fuck. Yeah. As it's, it, even though like <laughs> I've heard these so many times, just, just knowing that all oh, now we're, we're, I'm getting to hear this song now. It's just got so many, there's just so many of those. Yeah. And then out of the blue, you get love rears its ugly head. Yeah. One, and, one of their best in my opinion. Oh man. And it's like, it's like a full on jazz funk soul kind of thing mm-hmm. apart from like the chorus, which goes full on rock. But I wish I still had the cover of this that my college band did for an assignment because I fucking let rip on the vocals at the end. Oh, but, you, you sang uh, it? Yeah, I was the front nice, man. Nice, nice. And and the guitarist. And did you do did you do that part where he does uh, my colour full of stars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I did it. Awesome. We all we also spent like a full rehearsal just getting that one moment down in the song where they go, um, that like oh no not that part it's that da 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 that little extra thing oh yeah i can't remember specifics but oh my god that part catches me off guard every time but i'm like oh it didn't need to be there but it's so good you know it's just like a little bonus nugget that makes the listener go oh hell yeah um new jack theme is what I would imagine a thrash band scoring a James Bond-esque spy movie oh. with the help of funk musicians would sound like. That, like I, okay, I like that. That's a good description. Like, there's there's a very James Bond feel to it, it Like, but at the same time, it's got that, like, thrash appeal to um, someone like you has got some great danceable grooves. Elvis is dead is too good. Yeah. I love, yeah. you know, I Absolutely. love the guest. I love the guest appearance from little Richard and the, you know, the sax solo from, I think, is it Maceo Parker? Um, I don't know. Who, awesome does, who does the, hold on. Let me look at it. Who does the sax solo on that? Yeah. Yeah. It is Maceo Parker. Yeah. Oh man. And the, like I said, I watched all the videos for these, for this episode the video to this is great. I love the opening where they're, they're sat on that bench. Yeah. Where Will Calhoun says, Yo, Corey, what's up, man? I saw Elvis the other day. Get out of here, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's an awesome, like, that's one of those music videos that just highlights how, like, how little anyone gave a shit about what anyone thought at the time. Yeah. Because it was like, we we made this and it rules and it doesn't sound like anything you've ever heard. It's just be my guest and let him rest. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, it's yeah, so it, good. yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's that's what I was trying to say earlier about these albums is that unfortunately they already made these albums and so they've already set this standard of them being a band that gives you shit that either you weren't expecting or didn't even know that you really wanted to have in your life. Like they'll give you the song that like that once you hear it, you're like, yeah, this is, this is the totally the sound that I want to hear, but I didn't expect it from the track previous to this track. For sure. Like type is outrageously catchy. Oh, type types an amazing song. 
love again. I, I love the video. The, the, yeah. the, the structure of type is so great to me because it does have the thing where you've got the sort of groovy verse part and then the chorus goes into a more melodic thing, but then yeah. it has that middle section where it gets even more with the everything that goes around. Like when yeah. it gets into that, like I'm just like, and that's one of the things that I, I I always sort of like to point out about their songs. Not all of them, but on every album, they'll have a few songs that take you like, it almost feels like you're going on a little journey, yeah. even though the song is just what, five, five, five minutes, maybe six minutes at the most. Yeah, and just just the fact that you feel there's one in particular we'll talk about when we get to vivid, where every time I listen to it, I'm just like, this, this is just such amazing songwriting. Like, if they if the band released a a ten hour documentary just on the making of one album, where you just watched them writing the songs, and then I would yeah. watch every minute of it. Like, Every waking second, I, I, yeah, yeah, because it's just I want to know how they came up with these parts. What how I want to know, give me this, a exactly, <laughs> yeah, man. I love working in a, a song, a band song into the conversation like that. Um, but I just want I, I, I because I, I'm interested in like where did the song begin? What's the skeleton of the song? What little tweaks did they make in this song? Was this one part intended for a different song and they? found a way to put it in here because it's just that those are the things that fascinate me and that's what i think another one of the reasons why living color is such a great band because how many bands can i i can't think of that many bands where i really just want to deconstruct everything they do and and i want to know i want to take it apart and see how it how it came together in the first place and and types one of the perfect examples of that because it doesn't it's not a weird song at all but it's it's put together in a way that I'm just like, this is fucking genius. This is just such great songwriting and performing. And they are just fucking awesome. Let's keep going. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the beautiful thing about this album as well is that I pretty much know Vivid inside and out. Yeah. But this album, I always hear new things. It's got like angel dust syndrome where every time I listen to it, I hear something that like for some reason makes the song but i didn't even notice it was there on the first like 20 listens yeah absolutely like like, um i also want to say before i get off of type i love the bit at the end where it's everything that comes already comes already comes already oh yeah yeah that bit ah so good information overload is awesome Mm -hmm. that riff is pure mid-tempo thrash there's a few thrashy moments on this album, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it actually, this one in particular gave me like that Sacred Reich American Way vibe. Like, oh, yeah. Same, same year, too. Both came out the same year. So fucking rad. And that would have been, I don't know, I don't know if Sacred Reich ever toured with Living Color, but that would have been a show that I would have really liked to have seen that both of them playing together. I know Anthrax played with Living Color, and that would have been awesome. It would totally make sense as well, as because you know Sacred Reich were always very open minded. Hell, they got that Thirty One Flavors song. Oh like, hell yeah! Do they mention Living, Living Color, Color in that song? I was about to say, do they mention them there? I don't know. I know they I, mentioned the Chili Peppers, and I, I think like, Fishbone also, or something quick like that. On the fly, I'm gonna have a quick on the fly look. Let's See who all is 31. mentioned. 
This is the song 31 Flavors by the band Sacred Reich, which is a song we've talked about before where um, they talk about how um, it's they're, they're basically encouraging listening to different kinds of music. You can really be into metal, but you don't, as he says in the song, you don't just be a metal dude, which is which I've yeah. always agreed with. It's just, that's why like it bums me out when people are... Uh, so they seem so close-minded towards different kinds of music because I guess they think that it ruins their metal cred or something. I don't really know what it is, yeah. but it's it's an unfortunate mental problem <laughs> that people have. <laughs> he doesn't mention Living Color, but he does mention Chili's, Faith No More, uh, Metallica, Sting, Jimi Hendrix, Black Sabbath, uh, Prince, Fishbone, and NWA, and Mr. Bungle as well. So There you go. That's a wide cast of characters right there. But I but I but I would I guarantee you that that they were also living color fans. Oh, 100%. Like I mean, all of those bands that they just listed are like the formula for this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um so good. Undercover Darkness is a funky jazzy vibe with featuring, a cameo featuring Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah doing a rap verse, which is like, again, they did Information Overload, which, you know, has that thrash vibe. And then all of a sudden you get this song and it's got Queen Latifah on it. And mm-hmm. it's so cool to hear that. Um, is Ology, Ology is a. Is I think a it's cool, Ology. Yeah, cool, weird out there interlude. Um, fight the Fight. There's a lot of songs on this, but it doesn't outstay its welcome yeah no it doesn't really seem as long as it as you, you look at it and you go oh, this is pretty long especially for 1990 <laughs> but it's it uh yeah. it's it's fight. i mean fight the fight's a fucking great song it's a pretty it's a real sort of understated kind of thing but it's yeah. it's really good that's that's what i've put here i put fight the fight is living color doing a damn fine job at being living color <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah they just fucking nail it uh tag team partners beatbox interlude in fairness like uh Two or three of the tracks on this on this record are like interlude kind of tracks, mm-hmm. but uh, then you get Solace of You is a perfect example of a band not being restrained by any genre. Yeah, like if I didn't know any better, and you told me that this was the band that made Cult of Personality, I'd be like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, right? yeah, and, it would, like, there'd be no. There, yeah, there's no. It's they're, they're completely different worlds, but it's, it's yeah. It's awesome. But at the same time, it completely makes sense for them. It's like, and then finally you get, this is the life, which feels really doomy and bleak up until the end where it closes out on kind of a positive message to mm-hmm. alter some toxic perspectives towards your own life. And it's like, I, I really wanted, because they did like a, they did like an updated 2020 version, uh, live and there were a lot of like what was happening in the world i think it was last last year with all of like the protests i I don't know if i heard that yeah it was like a it was like a live performance i think i think they just titled it living color this is the life 2020 oh i'll have to Um, go check it out i don't i don't know if i heard that yeah yeah it's cool um they definitely spliced in a lot of uh footage from you know, the world <laughs> falling the fuck apart, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this album kicks ass. 
and mm-hmm. is underrated. All of their albums, even Vivid is underrated, but yeah, good Lord, this one especially needs to be talked about more yeah. and stain. Yeah, and yeah. shade, and they but, all need to be talked about. <laughs> and we'll, we, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more actually, because it's, "Times Up" nice. is also my number two. Like I said, um, I, I don't have a whole lot to add. I mean, I, I just I remember when this album came out. The thing that I liked the most about it is that I really did feel like they were a band that played by nobody else's rules. Yeah, and love there that. there were other bands at the time that had similar vibes of of just doing whatever the fuck they wanted, but. Um, but these guys just seemed like they, they, I don't know. It's almost like they were, they were listening to everything, but then not really sounding like any of the, those things at the same time. I, I don't know. It's, um, and also it's like, it's got the big holdover eighties production style with the big yeah. drums and everything. Love um, that. And it's the last, uh, album with Muzz Skillings on bass. Now, this, this is an interesting thing. Whenever I listen to uh, Living Color, especially when I watch any like live footage from back in the day, um, I really love Muzz Skillings as a bass player watching what he does. And it got me thinking about rock and roll bass players. And um, most of the time, like, I'll, you know, on, on the Internet, people love to do lists like just like we're doing where they want to go like, who are your favorite bass players? And in yeah. the world of metal, inevitably everyone's going to bring up like Cliff Burton, you know, or something yeah. like that. And it almost seems like a lot of the time, the people that they like as bass players, I say they, as in your average rock and metal fan, the bass players that they like seem to be bass players that find a way to make the, the instrument not sound like a bass guitar. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I've I, as blasphemous as it as it might seem to metalheads, I would never put Cliff Burton in my favorite bass players lists wow. because there are bass players like Muzz Skillings that exist, where a dude plays the bass guitar like a bass guitar and fucking rules at it. And there are other bass players like that, and 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 some of them are not not so funky, and and so, you know, but just the way that he played. I mean, I guess he still plays. I, I haven't heard anything that he's done uh, pri- uh, post-Living Color, but I know he did other shit. But I would always watch him play and be like, he, that that was kind of the, the, watching bass players like that is kind of what taught me about what a bass player was. I guess you could throw yeah. Flea, you could throw Flea into that, that equation because he was a dude that the things he was doing stood out, but they were very much a, he was a bass guitar player. And so I would watch them and then be like, like, this is what a bass guitar is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the rhythm section. It locks in with the drums and it helps the, 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 the rhythm of the song and the groove of the song. And a great bass player literally just accentuates that part of it. But a, an amazing bass player will find a way to hold that down while at the same time throwing in little, little uh, I don't know what you call them, flourishes or, or whatever, and I would hear that in in Muzz's bass playing. I guess I guess I also hear it with Doug, but um, I uh, it, it just it just it's one of those things that when I think about my favorite bass players, I I'm usually thinking of bass players like that because that's what I feel makes a good bass player. I don't need 
you to do this crazy solo where you've made it sound like a guitar and not a bass because I'm like, that's not interesting to me. Or if you're making it yeah. this melodic thing that just sort of is is kind of in the air around the music, I'm like, well, that's not a bass guitar. You're, you're, <laughs> you're an amazing musician if you do things like that. I mean, because I can't do it. But for bass players, like I, I like somebody where you can hear them locking in with the drums and um that show, who's the guy that what's his name that plays bass for rage against the machine um timmy uh, timmy c tim comerford yeah that- he uh he's another one of those guys but I, he's not i don't think he's amazing but at least he plays by that rule that i like where it's he's you can hear him fitting right in with what the drummer's playing and yeah and i love that and so Anyway, I just wanted to give Muzz a little bit of love because I don't think I feel like nobody talks about anybody except for um Vernon Reed and Corey Glover. Like even Will Calhoun's amazing drummer that like Yeah. does shit. Ber- Berkeley graduate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's a fucking <Yeah>. degree <laughs> in music, but he still just manages to pull out shit where he will he takes he he doesn't he never loses the groove, but he will find ways to switch things up in ways, even if it's just for a couple seconds, you'll go, Oh yeah. And so it, like, like you said, you do hear other things inside of these songs, the more that you listen to them. And that's why I said earlier that I just feel like, you know, Vernon found the three dudes that were able to match whatever level of, of badassness he had going on. And so I just think that's, that's such a great thing. And they, and they, and and I'm, you know, just by looking at, you know, songwriting credits, I do feel like, you know, each, each member brought in, you know, a little bit of their own flavor and, and God, they're just, I don't know. Individually, I think they deserve just as much praise as the band all together. And, um, Time's Up actually might be my favorite overall album when it comes to Corey Glover's vocals. Um, yeah. I love the way that he sounds. I mean, I love the way he sounds on anything. He's he's the he's the textbook example of when somebody says that they could just sing the phone book. Like Corey Glover is yeah. is one of those vocalists for me. I'm like, nah, whatever, whatever you want to sing, it's it sounds good to me. Um, but yeah, um. Time's up is amazing. It's I love how it's it's very it's it's different enough from vivid to sound like a progression, but also somehow oddly fits in like this these two companion albums. Maybe it maybe the artwork has a little bit to do with it because there's all there's an image that's on both album covers, um, and so maybe there is uh, uh, some of that going too. But um, in the end. The reason why I put this at number two is because we're going to talk about it in a minute, but it is really hard to follow up an album like Vivid. Really hard. And the fact that they were able to nail the things that they nailed and make an album like Vivid on the first go... Yeah. That is why I had to put Times Up at number two, even though they're very close together. Like Times Up to me is like a one point zero 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 two. It's like yeah. it's like right up there, you know, with uh, with Vivid. But 
it had to be my number two, but that's a great segue. Let's just move right in to talking about our joint number one, um, Vivid, the fucking debut Living Color album. Um, I'm sure I'll have plenty to interrupt you with, so if you just want to move into (laughs) your track by track. No worries. Cool. So, uh, Cult of Personality. I this this is this is the introduction for ninety nine percent of people to Living Color. Yeah, uh, you know, it, all the way back in the eighties when it first aired on MTV, right? And then you've got my generation that found it through GTA San Andreas, and if they didn't find it through GTA San Andreas, they found it through CM Punk, who had Cult of Personality as his entrance theme. Oh really? In, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it was like a re-recorded version though. It's not the vivid version, which is kind of like, mm, okay, just just use the fucking original. It's, it's well, he ass. may he may not have been able to get permission to do that. But the, I I think it was like re-recorded by the band, so it's kind of like. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was it was strange, but. Uh, Oh, man. I don't it know. Is, Actually, that might be the Guitar Hero version. See, a bunch of people found it through Guitar Hero, too. That like, too, it was a, yeah. It was, yeah. But, but, I mean, there's something to be said about Cult of Personality, because I, I hold it up there with, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit, with a song yeah. where the riff starts in the beginning of the song, and it's just like, it feels like the most important thing that you could possibly be listening to which is weird because yeah. like this is such an overplayed song like if you're if somebody was gonna say overplayed i'd be like yeah because like i said it's still played on rock radio all the time and it's the one song it's the signature living color song because yeah. you know people just love it but but they love it for a good reason that the riff starts like there's like that is a riff that will live in people's heads forever. That like, how yeah. can you write something? It's difficult to write something cooler than that riff. And it's just, like I said, when I was 10, it literally like blew my mind where I just went, this is the sound I've been wanting to yeah. hear. And, um, yeah, it's, it's one of the best album album openers ever. Like I, it's, yeah. it's up there. It's just, it's, it sets the tone for your, you, you better get fucking ready, but then it doesn't really give you that much of an indication of where you're going to go, which is why the entire yeah. album fucking rules, but it's a great opener. I think as well, the coolest part about it is like, there's that little bit at the start where it's like, um, what we want to do is talk right down to earth mm-hmm. in the language that everybody here can easily understand. Oh, fuck yeah, this yeah. song rules, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's that kind of like primal feeling. It just jumps right into you. But like, oh, this is a perfect example of like a band perfectly locked into a groove. Like, it's just so bombastic and loud and fuck yeah-ish, you know? Yeah. And then right after that, though, like, you get I Wanna Know, which has some really catchy melodic vocal moments. It's a, it's a, it's a more of a lighter yeah. vibe for the very second song, but I love yeah. the, I love that it, they take you, they immediately say, you, you're not going to expect, like, whatever you think is about to happen, It that's probably not going to happen. 
Like there's a fucking doo wop section in the middle of it. It's like but like takes a lot of guts to show you how I feel, yeah, about you. Like oh, it's so it's really cool to hear like those R and B vocals over the top of hard rock. Yeah, you know that kind of sensibility applied to it. Middleman is riff central. Yeah, like yeah, actually. Upon like re-listening to it, it feels a little bit like Uplift Mofo era Chili Peppers at times to me. Like moments on this album definitely exude a similar vibe to that. Mm-hmm. And I love that, but it's certainly much meatier on this album. Um Desperate People. <clears throat> some bump- that's where that's where I'm pausing you. Oh Desperate Screech people. Desperate people. Um <clears throat> It might be my favorite Living Color song. It's uh, it's up there. It, this is one of those tracks like I was talking about where yeah. you go on a journey with this song. The way that it begins it, it isn't is not the way that it ends up going, but yeah. it's just they're so it's so well done. I I I I don't it's I think it's the whole package of it because it's it's the not just the song itself, but the 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 '80s style of production on this. It, oh, it, it, it lets everything breathe. Yeah, and, and I love that. I miss that about albums where because now people I think are trying to get back to that, but the only thing they know how to do is turn the reverb way the fuck up. But I'm all like, yeah. well, that's not how you do it. But back then, there were so many albums that. You know, there were some that were not as great, but there there were so many that the reason why I think they translate so well to so many people is the fact that they were recorded in a way where everything just felt like it. You could hear everything like you, you, you turned up the volume really loud and nothing distorted. Every instrument could be heard perfectly what they were doing, but it still sounded like a band playing and songs like Desperate People, just hearing the the interplay between the guitar, the bass, the drums, and then Corey's vocals, it's just, and the way the song plays out, I, I just always hear this song and go, this is like album number one, and they are so good at writing songs. And, and at the same time, they're writing songs that they're simultaneously sounding like a band that could fit in everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And, and, and I just, I love that. And Desperate People is just such a good, that's like a song that like everybody should know, but you have to be a a fan of this particular album to know that song because it wasn't released as a single. But I mean, I guess it wouldn't really work that well as a single because if you take out, if you edit it down at all, it's not as good. Like it's, it's gotta be the full on, you know, five and a half minute running time or whatever for you to really get the song the way you're supposed to, but it's, it's fucking great. I had to talk about that one. That's cool because I'm going to really elaborate on that with open letter to a landlord. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Wait, I didn't do my trademark. I haven't had one of these yet. Okay. Open letter to a landlord. Yeah. So like this could be my favorite song next to cult of personality. Mm -hmm. Like this one right here. So goddamn good. The mixture of melody and funky heaviness in this good 
fucking lord. Like it's <laughs> yeah. It you yeah. know it 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 starts off with it. You could tear a building down, mm. but you can't. You know, doing That's all it. of those like that almost sounded like Michael McDonald the way you were singing it. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh <and> memory. Ah. <laughs> uh, Last night there was a fire. <laughs> I saw several children die. <laughs> Can you imagine Michael McDonald delivering that line? He was probably <laughs> mad that he didn't get to do any vac- backing vocals because he was on like every fucking album in the 80s. Man, like, it, when I hear this song, when I hear it open up, the first time I ever heard this, <clears throat> this is a song I wish I could hear for the first time again. Yeah, yeah. Because... I had no idea where it was going. When it started off, I thought, oh, we're five tracks in. This is probably going to be the ballad here, you know? Mm-hmm. Boy, was I fucking wrong. Because yeah. the moment that, like, really nice gospel kind of thing finishes at the start, all of a sudden you just punched right in the face with pure funk, metal, hard rocking fucking perfection. And... I love that it retains the alt rock kind of thing underneath that gospel influenced um, chorus because they managed to work it back in but maintain some of the intensity. And yeah. then when it when it gets to that bridge before the solo, um, you know that that where they're using the harmonics and stuff do, like do do. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's oh, great. I love, I love that as well. Like he could have just gone chug, 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 chug. You know, done like sort of what every fucking metal band has done for the last twenty <laughs> yeah. years. But like it, that shows to me that's someone adding flavor to something. Yeah, like they didn't need to put like little quirky, jerky harmonics there. But it, well, I, and I think that it's, so just, it's a testament to like the overall vibe of, I guess, I mean, cause there was a lot of bands like that, like we've said, but I feel like back then it, a lot of musicians and a lot of, a lot of songwriters would go, we've written this song. I've written this part. It's really fucking cool. Let's see how we can make it better. Like, you, you know, it was never, whereas yeah. now I think that there's so much of an emphasis on just, we wrote a song. It's like that, that Tenacious D thing. Next song. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, guess who wrote that song? Me, baby. It's like, so it's just more, it's more just like, <laughs> it's like how many, we, we're done writing that song. That's good enough. Like, I feel like yeah. there's so much good enough in the world musically and yeah. so you don't hear little things like that. And what you mean, I get some bands you do. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to totally blanket every fucking band out there, but there's so much less of it now where everything is very yeah. bland and they, they just, this is good. Let's not fuck with this anymore. And I'm like, sometimes you need to fuck with it just to make things like what we're talking yeah. about. They're memorable moments that sure, maybe a lot of people hear and then it just kind of passes them by, but there's always yeah. going to be people like us out here. That, that that pick up on those things and it makes the song so much better for us. Some of my favorite moments in songs happen like once throughout the entire runtime and never happen again. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, that's what makes them so memorable. Uh, uh, like, good God, man. And then funny vibe. You know, my yeah. favorite version of this one is actually like the super hip hop one in the music video. Yeah. But 
I love the progginess of the album version at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of where, like, the 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 remaster with the bonus tracks on it, or at least the re-release, I don't know if it's a remaster, but it has both versions on it, mm-hmm. and it's got, like, the video version at the end. Oh, but that song is so cool. Memories Can't Wait is a Talking Heads cover, but it fits with the vibe yeah. of the album. It was years before I knew that was a cover song, and then I'm, yeah, I'm, I am not a Talking Heads fan. And so once I, once I saw that, I was like, well, you know what? Good for them. I'm never going to go listen to the original. So, <laughs> so I love their version, and so I'm just going to consider this a living color song. Hell yeah. And then you get Broken Hearts, which is a nice ballad mm, with yeah, that's Mick a, Jagger. That is, that is on a the harmonica. Well, yeah, Mick Jagger was a big deal with this band in the beginning. I think that he, yeah, was a big champion of them. Like he was pointing, I, took I, I, them on I tour. He was, took them on tour, but I think even prior to that, I think he recorded some demos for them or something. And once, once fucking Mick Jagger's name is associated with your band, I think you've you're going somewhere, yeah. you know. <laughs> and um, I mean, man, I told itself- there's a great there's a great um, moment in one of their live videos where it's footage from them um, playing with, uh, with the Rolling Stones and they're all up on stage together. I think doing it's only rock and roll and yeah. Vernon Reed starts doing a solo, but he remains like kind of further back into the stage and Keith Richards comes up and shoves him forward. Yeah. And I, I just love that moment. Cause I'm all like, that's a testament to, how humble Vernon Reed is, but then how fucking cool Keith Richards is. He's just like, get the fuck up yeah. there, dude. You're badass. And like, I mean, really, like by all accounts, the dudes in, in Rolling Stones are great dudes. But just I love moments like that where you just see parts of people's personalities without them actually talking, you know? And I yeah. just I love that. But yeah, that's a that was a really good tour for them because they got to play in front of all sorts of people that I think they would have never played in front of. Um, but, um, but yeah, but Mick Jagger is like, I mean, if, if he was into my band, I'd be like, all right, well, I don't know about now. Everyone's all the young <laughs> people are so, are so jaded. They're just like, well, he's an old guy. He was, he was relevant <laughs> back in the stone age. <laughs> Clout chasing motherfucker. <laughs> just wants to get on my mixtape. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. It's like that one. Who who was it that did a song with Paul McCartney? And all these people were like, "Well, he, he Paul McCartney needed the publicity, obviously, because he did a song." <laughs> Is it Taylor Swift or somebody? And I'm just oh like, "Look, I know that you're young, but don't be young and an idiot." <laughs> yeah, you know, he did, Paul McCartney doesn't need anything. Yeah. Neither neither does Mick Jagger. They're fine. That's- one of my favorite things was when uh, Post Malone did that song with Ozzy Osbourne. Yes, and, yes. And all those all those people that never even... I suppose, like, there's people now that never saw the Osbournes show, which is why everyone my age knows Ozzy Osbourne, even yeah. if they're not, like, a metal fan. They still know him. Oh, that's that funny old rocker dude on the TV that's married yeah. to Sharon. Yeah. You know, even if even if they know nothing of his music career, they still know who he is. And then you had all of these like kids born in like 2006 that are like, hey, props to Post Malone for you know showing off this uh, this guy Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> Clear, clearly an up and comer. You know, it's like the the dude's like the figurehead for a fucking genre for the I last mean, 50 years. Yeah, and really, you know? and really the 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 
the fail there is not that they thought that because that's fine. It, but do yeah. you, do your research a little bit and find out, Oh, okay. He's already well known. And then, but that's the whole point. Like, it's like, that's where, that's why like I have no problem with these things because if you're, if, if somebody, if some musician, no matter what genre they are, is collaborating with somebody from a totally different genre. I always think of it as well, one of one or two of them is going to get exposed to different people. And that's always yeah. a good thing in my opinion. I, I, I've, yeah. I, so even if it's not a good song, I'm just like, great. I'm glad you did it. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. You know, but that's, yeah. I think that's also what makes me not as good of a metal head. Cause I think I'm supposed to be more like, you can't do that. Lady Gaga yeah. <laughs> can't be on the stage with Metallica. She fucking <laughs> ruined it. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'm just like, really? That's the worst thing you've ever seen? Okay, well, that's you haven't seen enough bad shit, apparently. I actually anyway. went back and listened to the. I actually went back and listened to that first Lady Gaga album, and I forgot how many absolute bangers are on that album. <laughs> Absolutely, look out for Hell our yeah. Lady Gaga episode coming soon. <laughs> I don't know about. It. I think we pissed a lot of people off with Fresh Prince. <laughs> fuck but that! I'm down. I, I love pissing yeah. people off. We'll do. We'll do Lady yeah. Gaga. Well, fuck. We'll do. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, fucking. That's it. We're, we're ditching the pink zebra stripes. We are officially only gonna do. Teeny bop, kids bop shit from the early two thousands, and it's all gonna be bubblegum pop. <laughs> Are we gonna do? I th- I, I, for a second there, I thought you were like we're gonna rank the kids bop albums <laughs> or the, the kids. I mean, I, <laughs> let's fuck it. Let's fucking do it. Let's rank the kids bop albums, dude. They're all I'm ranked down. at number zero. <laughs> I'm an open minded dude, but fuck those albums. Come on, man. Play play your kids the real songs, okay? Yeah. God damn. I'm sorry. That was a a major derail right there. Where where, where were we at? We were at Broken Hearts, which I love Corey's vocals on Broken Hearts. It's fucking great. Um, Yeah, it's a heartfelt song. But then we get... Glamour Boys. I ain't no glamour boy. I'm fierce. I'm fierce. Yeah. I actually, like, only just found out, you know, before recording this podcast, like, yesterday, that it's like, I ain't no glamour boy. I thought he was saying... I thought he was saying I am a glamour boy, and oh, I, I was like, a, it was like a misheard lyric. I thought he was being like ironic. Well, if you, oh, okay, I get you. Like, like he was like the verses are supposed to be. Yeah. I guess yeah, because that would make sense because the verses are about the glamour boys, and then he would sing in the in the chorus, "I am a glamour boy," but yeah, no, it's I ain't no glamour boy. I'm fierce. Yeah. yeah, but at the same at the same time, it's also quite campy now. Like if you hear someone say, "I'm fierce." You got you. It's like a. I don't. I don't know. It's it. It's just very. It's very flamboyant. And I, I guess I, I maybe love, that was maybe that was song. maybe that was the point. I don't. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it doesn't. Like it's, that, it sounds awesome to me when they say it in the song. Oh hell yeah! You know it's I fucking love this song and you know also again, the, the the music video has a cameo by uh, Scott Ian from Anthrax. Oh, man. Like, I don't know. Maybe there's other Anthrax dudes in it at the it also, but I, but I know that Scott Ian's in it. That's awesome, man. Like, I love like the little cameos. Apparently, one of the people poking Chuck Mosley in the cage in the video for Anne's song is um, James Hetfield. Oh, really? James Hep- yeah, and apparently, like the extra hand that is on the guitar when uh jim martin's doing that solo where there's like two hands on the neck uh-huh. apparently that i th- i think that's james hetfield i'm not 100 percent sure interesting yeah 
But um, yeah, fact check that first. I'm, I'm okay. I could be wrong, but yeah, we look, look up James f- Hetfield hand job and then see what. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, man! <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't don't. Yeah. Uh, um, and then you get what's your favorite color? I think mm-hmm. it's so cool for a band to have a theme song. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, they have they have their own theme song. Which which know? which? Funny enough, this the show in Living Color would have a theme song that sounds like they may have ripped this song off a little bit. Yeah. Which is interesting. <laughs> I, I think I read somewhere that they wanted Living Color to do a song for it, and they said no, and so they just... I mean, may, I don't know if it's just a coincidence, once again, that they made a song that just sounded similar, but yeah. um, what, whatever. I mean, this, is, this, that, <laughs> this one is just a fun... Uh, just an overall fun song. Hell yeah. And uh, finally, Which Way to America mm-hmm. is such an energetic closing shout, shout out to muzz skillings on the bass guitar for that slap so freaking good yep and and those Corey glover screams like oh yeah yeah near the end where he just absolutely never ever did it again but well he, he does, did he, he did them live like, he would do them live yeah. during certain songs but i think that's the only recorded one where he does those screams yeah it's it's like insane it's like a shriek yeah like i i can't think of anything else that sounds like it in yeah you know this style of music but man vivid what yep. a fucking ride dude it, it, it's it's amazing also my number one um it's like one of the most confident debut albums I think has ever been made. Like it's up there with like your yeah. appetite for destructions and, and albums like that, where a band comes right out and it seems like they've already, well, I guess, you know, they've been playing together as this version of living color for a couple years. So, you know, they weren't brand new, but you know, first album, the fact that it's this, this fucking good, not just in performances, but in songwriting overall vibe, everything about this album, um, it's just an absolute classic and it's, and to me it's aged really well. Like you could point out things here and there that sound very dated to the eighties, but even then it almost feels like they, they have a weird way of sounding kind of timeless while they're, they, they literally do sound also of the time because it's, you know, I don't think that a band like living color could have ever happened at any other time. I think it had to have been around the mid to late eighties. Um, yeah. But, um, to me, this is pretty much a perfect album. Like I can't think of anything that I would want to change from it. And, um, it's just literally fuck. Yeah. Songs one after the other. And the big reason why this was my number one is like I said before that, I could talk about things about Time's Up that I think are better than Vivid, but overall as an album, Vivid, not only... It, I mean, it's the thing that started it all. And and so I, I, I feel like it's the most important. Like it's... Like it leads to everything else. And it isn't. Yeah. it isn't a band giving us something that's pretty good and then they do they get better i mean because they did continue to do good shit but they already started out with 
something amazing and so something that a lot of people were probably like not even expecting and then like like me as a kid i i was just like this is like all sorts of badass to me and it opened yeah. up this this album in particular is responsible for me opening up to other music like i got into soon after this probably a year or two later bands like the chili peppers and king's x and um bands that would eventually you know be known by millions but you know at the time they were smaller bands but i would hear things that incorporated like funk like i guess faith no more was a big thing too like you know at later like a year later but i would hear things that incorporated different types of music but it was guitar driven rock and roll and that became the kind of thing that i wanted to hear like i don't I don't want to hear just your basic rock song anymore. Yeah. And so I was constantly looking for how do you take this rock and roll thing and give me something different with it. And everything that I was discovering after this, you know, it's, you know, a couple years later getting into anthrax and getting into thrash metal and metal and actual metal. And it was always the search for, something that I hadn't already heard or something that excited me. And there, the, the eighties and early nineties just kept delivering with, I would just hear another album and be like, this is another thing. That's like, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I I don't really remember, you know, a lot about myself as a young person. Like I remember feelings and I remember things that happened, but I'm pretty sure I was probably annoying to all of my friends because I would probably show up every other week with like, no, this is the best album that you've ever heard. <laughs> and then two <laughs> weeks later, I'd be like, no, this is the best album you've ever, because that's, that's how it felt. That's, it, that's it, me. It, yeah. it felt like I was constantly discovering this new great stuff. And, and I really do think vivid was the beginning of that. It was the beginning of, of knowing that there was more out there. And man, I fucking love this album and I love this band. Like it's like, I like, you know, I may have had more criticisms about their more recent stuff, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's really when it, when we, when we rank these bands, especially a band like this, or even when we did Soundgarden, it's, it always feels really weird putting any album lower because you're like, well, yeah, they can't, no band can do an album just as good as the one before all the time, you know? Yeah. Like some bands gradually get better with albums. Some bands start off great and then they continue to put out good albums. And then obviously, obviously we've done some that started out great and ended up complete shit. But I mean, (laughs) it's, it always feels very weird to me. That's why I always try to say, when I talk about our podcast, I always say it's a, it's a podcast where we rank albums where the ranking isn't really that important. Like yeah. the, the conversation about these albums is what's important, especially to me with a band like living color, where I'm just like, I don't know. I don't really, I don't feel comfortable ranking anything. <laughs> this band, <laughs> I just, I really feel like every, every album brings me something that I love. And, um, 
And they really connected with me in sort of a weird way that I don't really, I can't really explain because there are those certain bands. Um, Metallica is one of those bands. Um, and like Anthrax and Rush and Aerosmith. Like these are all bands that, sure, I like their music and I could talk to you about technical reasons why I like their music. But at the end of the day, there's a thing that I'll never be able to explain. And that is an emotion that I feel when I listen to their stuff. Or even just when I think about the guys in the band, like the, the four guys in living color. Um, I just think about it and go, I just feel something about them just makes me feel like I love them and what they did and what they continue to do. Um, they're, they you see you see them play now and they still nail all of these fucking songs that they play and um that's i think that that's that's probably why i think that when it comes to a band that started in the 80s it's still going today like they're up there with one of those that i think still can hold their own and yeah. don't feel like they're just treading water or keeping shit going like what do we call them? Like like a, a legacy band or whatever, where yeah, it's just like a greatest hits package that tours. Sometimes they don't feel like that, and so, um, I love that we talked about them today. Awesome. Do you, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, this collection of albums. I mean, save for the two mm-hmm. at the bottom, some of the most flawless stuff we've ever talked about on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it's like Living Color as well. I would say maybe not a top 10, but quite possibly a top 20 band for me. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, and it, it I really do and I know that we we put out some episodes and it looks like not a lot of people listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> and I I really hope this isn't one of them because I I I, I, if anything, I hope this is a podcast episode that maybe some people will hear it and go, oh, I'm going to go back and revisit these because yeah. this is out of all the bands we've done, this is probably the one where I'm like, I hope this makes people go back and realize that the band isn't called Cult of Personality. <laughs> you know, yeah. They're they're <laughs> living color and they've done so much good shit. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that that wraps it up. We've we've bro- we broke two hours with this one, which that, you know, that's a good sign. Totally. Um, so that was fun. Um, so living color, we've, 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 we've done it. We've ranked it. And, um, we are, or are, or one of those words. Um, (laughs) I believe next time we're going to tackle another big one. That's what she said. (laughs) Um, and, um, it's a, if it's a big one that has been a long time coming, that's all I'm going to say. Um, it is, we, 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 the fact that the fact that the two of us have not already done this band is, uh, well, I mean, I won't say anything else. It's okay. We're going to do it. I'm sure I I don't want to admit that I kind of shit the bed on our first recording session. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get there though. But yeah. So, um, so be ready for that. Those of you who are the peanut butter platypuses out there that make it through, um, all of our shit. We appreciate you. You're the, you're the best. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll be back um, next week starting another big one and it, it'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be a similar vibe to this one. Yeah. Um, where <laughs> we, 
we'll get excited about what we're talking about. My voice is going out, man. I try, I try so hard to like, to, cause I, I get to the point where my voice is just like, you've been talking way too much. That shows how much I normally talk because like in my day to day life, like I don't, for my job, I don't have to talk. That sounds and like so paradise. It, <laughs> if I'm not talking to my wife or my daughter, I'm not talking. And so like I get, we do these things and all of a sudden I'm just like, oh man, my voice is just like giving out on me. I'm sorry that I didn't, nobody needed to hear that. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Like honestly, some, sometimes when I'm at work, I have to talk too much and it's like, oh yeah, I feel my voice going. I, I, I work in retail and my idea of a bad day is whenever I hear service team one to check out service Ooh. team one to check out. And it's like, Oh God, now nah, I'm a cashier. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, now I have to talk to people. And it's like every now and again, I'll get a really grumpy old person and I'll think, thank you. Thank you. I don't have to speak to this person. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, that, whenever I go to the grocery store, my, um, the, the normally the, the amount of conversation that I will have with you is, um, how are you today? Good to hear. And then that's, that's as, and then yeah. at the end of it, I'll say, thanks. Have a good day. Or, or see ya. Or, you know, it'll be, that's it. In yeah. between, I'm all like, if you want to talk to me, that's fine, but I'm not going to engage a conversation with you because I just <laughs> want to get my shit and get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, like, because for, for me, I won't dive too deep, but I, I, I find it exhausting after a while having the same conversation with the, with a different person, like, every five minutes. Yes. Like, like as, especially, I know I'm talking about retail at this point. But, <laughs> but uh, Thanks it, for it, sticking around for the Living Color episode. <laughs> Talk about our jobs. Uh, well, like, there, there was a point where I had to admit to myself, dude, you can't keep this up. You're going to burn yourself out just talking about the fucking weather to every single person you see. Like, mm, there, are, there are only so many times you can bring up the rain before you legitimately go insane. But, but also, that's the number one indicator that that person has nothing to talk about. If anyone brings up the weather, I'm just yeah. like, clearly you have nothing to talk about. How about just say good afternoon or whatever and then say thank you when you leave? Or what? You know, don't, there's no need to go any further than that. Yeah. I don't know. But it's funny how some people do have the same conversations. I'm going to do like a quick story. That everyone can tune out if they want to. <laughs> but when, when I used to, at the job I have now, I work from home now, but I used to actually be at the office. And there were these dudes who were like these nerdy, like techie guys. And I would get to work in the morning at the same time as them. And inevitably on Monday morning, they all would have, would have gone to see the same movie whatever the movie was, if there was a sci-fi movie, that's what they went to see or a horror movie or whatever, but they were like geeky guys. And the conversation literally always went like this. So did you, did you go see the movie on uh, on Friday? I did. Yeah. What'd you think? It was great except for all the plot holes. Yeah. Like that was, <laughs> yeah. that was, I heard, I heard them have this conversation and one of them would always say the phrase, it was great except for all the plot holes every Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, God damn it. It's just like, how, 
Like, you have nothing to say about it. And it's like, because I always wanted to be like, could you explain the plot holes? Because, like, you know, <laughs> usually they're really insignificant. Like, well, where did she get that stick from? It wasn't on the table prior to that. I'm like, <laughs> okay, dudes. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't mean to drag that on. But um, if you learned anything from this, it's uh, if, you don't have, if you don't have anything to talk about, it's perfectly fine just to shut up. And... um also, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's uh, my motto. Anyway, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was Living Color. Um, this has been Cranked and Ranked. Thank you very much for listening to us. We'll be, we'll be back soon with another episode. As always, uh, I'm Stephen, a.k.a. Old Head, saying thank you for listening. Um, have a good life, everyone. And as usual, to take us out, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks. Later, dude.